This is the Grind It Podcast. We know just like grinding a handrail or a cross of coping can be challenging at times, so can life be. We share God's word and personal stories to encourage you to keep grinding and to not give up. It's time to grind. So here's the old school skateboarder himself, Randall Tucker. Welcome to the Grind It Podcast, where we have nothing but the flu for you. (laughs) (coughs) Woo! No, we're recovering. We are recovering. Well, I'm recovering. You're still battling. Because we both uh, shared flu type A. So, got to share the love somehow, right? Might as well share the flu, too. So, we apologize for the tardiness of this broadcast. (laughs) And we apologize for sounding like a nasally, whatever. What's nasally? Yeah. I started to say Pinocchio, Con- but he didn't really sound nasally. Congested. <coughs> going to be a lot of coughing. <laughs> a whole lot of coughing going on. <laughs> Do you feel like praying? or? We are the healed and the redeemed of the Lord. And we declare that is... In the words of Medea... So. So. The redeemed of the Lord says so. All right. So. So, Lord, we thank you. Thank you that we can hold on to your promises. They are precious. They are yes and amen. And even when our, even when the facts that are inhabiting our body or our situations um, don't seem to align with your truth, we can declare <coughs> your truth and know that you are, you, your word is truth. It's it's going to prove right a hundred times out of a hundred. So thank you, Lord, for calling our circumstances into alignment with your truth. And where we doubt, Lord, help us in our unbelief. Father, thank you for taking us deeper into your word. Holy Spirit, would you just open our minds, open our understanding, open our uh, eyes to see you as we read your word. Jesus, we long to know you more intimately. So we ask all of this in your holy and precious name. Amen. All right, so Jesus is going to leave Galilee and he's going to head up north. Not north to Alaska. No. To Alaska. You don't know that song? Nope, I don't. I got one on you. Carry on. Got one on you. <laughs> Jesus leaves Galilee and heads up north to the region of Tyre. And um, do you know anything about Tyre? No. No. I'll tell you a little bit about Tyre. Tell me. It was built out in the Mediterranean Sea. Out like They just piled all these rocks together and, and built it out. And it's pretty cool. And it dates way back before David, who was you know king over Israel in the Old Testament. And David actually gets cedar trees from Tyre uh, to build parts of Jerusalem and later on Solomon would do the same thing. They would float these cedar trees from Tyre down to Jerusalem and then use them to build the temple, which is pretty cool. A lot of work. This area is full of Gentiles and knowing from history, the Jews and the Gentiles didn't get along very well. And we're going to... Well, we've already talked a lot about that already. But Jesus, he goes into the region of Tyre and Sidon here, and he is going to go into somebody's home, and he's hoping that the people, that he, he's hoping that he was like um, camouflaged, that nobody saw him go in, and that nobody would know that he was there. But unfortunately for him and his disciples, 
somebody realizes that he's there, and they and this lady's gonna hunt him down because she's got a she's got a a, a desperate need, and uh, we're gonna see that this lady is uh, born in Syria, Phoenicia, making her a Gentile and not a Jew, um, and so she's gonna find Jesus and beg Jesus to uh, cast a demon out of her daughter. So she- Jesus left that place and went to the vicinity of Tyre. He entered a house and did not want anyone to know it, yet he could not keep his presence secret. In fact, as soon as she heard about him, a woman whose little daughter was possessed by an impure spirit came and fell at his feet. The woman was a Greek, born in Syrian Phoenicia. She begged Jesus to drive the demon out of her daughter. First let the children eat all they want, he told her. For it is not right to take the children's bread and toss it to the dogs. Lord, she replied, even the dogs under the table eat the children's crumbs. Then he told her, for such a reply, you may go. The demon has left your daughter. She went home and found her child lying on the bed and the demon gone. And the demon gone. All right, so... <clears throat> This woman has a need, and her need is that her little girl, we don't know how old she was, but from the wording it sounds like, you know, probably a teenager or younger, uh, was possessed by a demon. And she knows that Jesus basically is her only hope, that she can't heal her daughter, she can't cast this demon out. She hasn't been able to find anybody in her area to help her. Um, And she finds out that Jesus is in the area evidently she's heard what this man can do and so kind of like the woman with the issue of blood if i can just get to this man he can heal my daughter right and so she finds out that jesus is staying in this house and she goes to to jesus and um, she tells jesus you know i need you to heal my daughter she's got this demon can you cast this demon out of my daughter? And Jesus' first response is, well, first thing I need to do is feed my own children, my own family, the Jews. It isn't right to take food from the children and throw it to the dogs. So he literally calls this woman a dog. Does the NIV say dog? Yes. Does it specify what kind of dog? Or does it just say dog? Yeah. Just to the dogs. So when you, when when we read this, it sounds like Jesus is in <clears throat> racial. Or what do you call it? Not racial. Um, prejudice. Or, yeah. Yeah, and it does sound to me that Jesus is calling this woman a dog. Um, but I don't think he's being racial. I don't think he's being prejudiced here. Yeah. He he. Uh, because we already know that God is love. We already know Jesus is God. God in the flesh, right? He loves everybody. He wants everybody to be saved. Um, because he's going to soon die on the cross for Jew and Gentile. So what do you think that he meant? I call this one a dog. I'll put you on the spot, and then I'll tell you what I think he meant. I think he just meant for those outside of the covenant. For those outside of the Hebrew lineage. Yeah. I think that's how they were generally referred to. They were, yeah, they were generally referred The Jews... Jews and Gentiles didn't get along. And the Jews, they had a common, well, 
that there's two words for dogs. We'll talk about that in a second. But they they looked as the Jews looked at Gentiles as dogs. But the word that most Jews used for Gentile was not a kind word. <laughs> um, but Jesus uses a different word than than the, the unkind word. We'll talk about that in just a second. Um, but when Jesus sends out like the, the pairs uh, uh, of this, when he sent out his disciples two by two to go out and minister to the you know the villages, who did he send them to? The Jews only. Yeah. Right. Right. He said, "Only go to the lost sheep of Israel." Israel. Right. right. And so they went to these villages and to, to the Jewish homes and ministered to them. And then they would cast out demons or work a miracle to back up the message that the kingdom is here. Right. Right. Um, why would he just say, just go to the Jews only? <coughs> it's because they're God's chosen people of the Old Testament. These are the children of the promise. Yeah. They had the covenant. They had the law. You know, they had the covenant through Abraham. Right. right. God came to Abraham made that covenant the circumcision Genesis 12 so this covenant dates way back um, <clears throat> they had the law right given through Moses they had the prophets and they were the ones looking for the Messiah right? the, the Jewish Messiah to deliver them which Jesus is the Messiah and he's going to come and deliver these Jews from their sins and here he is walking around the earth and um Later on, the Gentiles are going to be, well, Paul uses the word grafted in, in Romans 11, as we was reading before we started recording. Um, so it's, it, God's always had a plan for the Gentiles, but we, we kind of backdoored our way. <laughs> it was all set up for the Jews. And people say the Jews rejected Jesus, and therefore the Gentiles, Jesus turned to the Gentiles, or the however you want to say that, because the Gentiles don't come along in the church until Acts chapter 10 with Cornelius and his family. Remember, he brings he goes and gets his friends and his family because Peter's coming. He's had the vision from the angel. Peter's had the vision from the angel. Peter shows up at Cornelius' house, preaches, the Holy Spirit falls. They're speaking in tongues like they did in Acts chapter 2. And uh, they were baptized and stuff like that. <clears throat> that didn't happen until Acts chapter 10. But Jesus said... If I'm not mistaken, in John 10, when he was talking about him being the good shepherd, that he had sheep that were not of this fold. Right. So he mentioned that there, there was a plan for the Gentiles. But for now, the Jews were the one looking for the Messiah. Jesus came to deliver his people from bondage. And they reject him, right? Right. And... Paul makes it clear in Romans 11 that because of the Jews' rejection of Jesus, because even today the Jews are going to say they didn't reject Jesus, that they're not responsible for his death. They've been claiming that since... Since it happened. Since it happened, yeah. And so in Romans 11, Paul makes it clear that the Jews rejected Jesus, the Messiah, and because the Jews rejected Jesus, now the Gentiles are grafted in. The Jews are the root, we're just a branch. I'll take a branch any day. Amen. <laughs> Just get me in heaven. <laughs> so, as far as calling this woman a dog, the the that's the way that the Jews looked at the Gentiles, dogs. 
Uh, and that this this was going on long before Jesus ever walked on the face of the earth. The, the Jews did not like the Gentiles. They didn't get along. But Jesus is not being derogatory here. Um, because the, the word, the derogatory word, if Jesus was being derogatory, he would use the word uh, in the Greek, uh, kuon, K-U-O-N, kuon, which means wild cur. Like a wild dog, you beast. And that's not what he used. He uses the word kunarion here, which K-U-N-A-R-I-O-N, kunarion, which means a small dog, like a pet dog. Hmm. Now, we have a demon for a pet dog. <laughs> No, we're not confessing that over her. <laughs> Cleo. <laughs> She's chewed up everything in our backyard and part of our house. <coughs> no, she's not a demon. She's a sweet dog. She just chews up a lot of stuff. Um, we're learning to love Cleo. Yes. Um, she's, you know, she acts like a wild dog at times, and sometimes she acts like a nice, lovely pet dog. Um, but there's a huge difference between a wild dog and a pet dog. Most people love their dogs. Like, your parents spoil their dogs rotten, right? Yes. Scrambled eggs in the morning with cheese. Oh, yes. It's ridiculous. Yeah. They've got them. Not only do they get crumbs from under the master's table, but <laughs> they get first fruits from the master's fridge. <laughs> Animal crackers, and they got three different kinds it's of It's ridiculous, treats. yes. So the pet dog word is much nicer than the wild dog, is what you're saying. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and, and, and that's what Jesus is saying here. He, he's not being derogatory toward this woman. He's, he's just saying, hey, look, she's not ready for the Gentiles yet. And so what, one of the thing that, things that Jesus often does with his disciples and with people is kind of like test them. And, and that's what's going on here. He, he knows he's going to heal that girl, that, that woman's daughter. He knows he, he's going to... He, he sees the There's not the a beginning. need that he hasn't right. met. Yeah. yeah. There's not a need that he hasn't met. He knew that woman's need before she ever came. He knew that that woman was going to show up in that house. Nothing catches Jesus off guard or surprise, right? Right. And so I, I think what's going on here is, is uh, this is for his disciples. Good teachable moment. Yeah. Good teachable moment. Here we are in Gentile territory. Um, you know, even with, like, you remember when, that time when the, the children came to Jesus and, and the disciples were like, get away, kids, get away. Right. You know, we ain't got time for you. It's, you know, this is Jesus. And Jesus said, hey, what are you doing? Let, let the kids, let them come to me. It's okay. You know, it's all good. Kind of think it's a similar situation here. This, this Gentile woman comes in. Falls down before I, I can't. I, I meant to. I'll get you to look this up in just a minute. But how this woman came in? Because I want, I want to make a point before we move on from this lady. But um, the disciples are watching what's going on. There's other people in the house watching what's going on. How's he going to handle this situation? Well, they're thinking he's doing exactly what he should do. He's rejecting this woman. That's what it sounds like. Woman, I ain't messing with you. I ain't got time for you. I'm, I'm here for the Jews. I don't have time for you Gentiles. You know, move on. <clears throat> but the woman doesn't run away. She doesn't get up upset or anything else. She she stays at his feet and she presses in a little stronger and she comes back with a strong response to Jesus. And I love her response. That's true, Lord. But even the dogs under the table 
are allowed to eat the scraps from the, the children's plates. And Jesus was basically floored by this woman's response and he, he heals her daughter. So, <clears throat> a question I got for you is this, how do we move the heart of God? <coughs> how can we, even today, move the heart of God? Well, it's certainly not by saying, why it always got to be a racial thing? <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. That's not going to move God's heart. Right? Because she could have come back with that. Right? Mm-hmm. You you calling me a dog? What? <laughs> you know? She could have gotten all upset about um, what his response to her. I, I'm coming to you, and I'm asking you because I hear you have power. You just don't want it. You just don't want it for me because I come from the wrong side of the tracks. Yeah. What? You know, but she didn't do that. And the cool part is my footnote here. Um, now, again, this is just a footnote. Take it as you will. But when she calls him Lord, this says the, it's the only time in Mark's gospel that Jesus is addressed as Lord. Hmm. We use that terminology all the time. It's commonplace to us. And I'd have to go through it, but I'm going to take it for its word here, that it's the only time that he is called Lord. That's true, Lord, but even the dogs under the table are allowed to eat the scraps. And so, even in her coming to ask, there was humility, right? She was coming in low. Get ahead of me. Go ahead. But you asked, how do we move the heart of God? Come in low. Come in with humility. Come in, um, right? What does he tell us to do? Ask, seek, knock, and the door will be opened. What does your verse 25 say in the NIV? Sorry, I'm trying to find it. In it's fact, a, as soon as they heard, as she heard about him, mm-hmm. so she woman, hears about him, right? right? She finds him. As soon as she heard him, heard about him, a woman whose little daughter was possessed by an impure spirit came and fell at his feet. That, that's what I was looking for. So, where, so you brought up humility. I said, "How do you move the heart of God?" And you said, "It's, it, it's all about humility." And so, look at her first. Okay, she's going to call him Lord, like you brought out already but when she came into that house and first of all how did she even know which one Jesus was it was amazing but as soon as she finds Jesus and sees Jesus she just falls basically prostrate on the ground at his feet in humility humbling herself submission she's 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 submitting herself basically to his authority she's heard about him she knows what he can do she knows that he's her daughter's only hope and she doesn't go in and start trying to convince him that you know hey my daughter's this age and she's sweet and she's the sweetest little thing and she doesn't try to convince him of all these things about her daughter she just falls down prostrate pretty much i'm sure on his, on, before him 
submit kind of like you know, remember Ruth and Boaz. Right. Where did Ruth sit? At his feet. At his feet when they went to bed that night. She just sat at his feet in submission. <clears throat> and Boaz like, wait, what's going on here? <coughs> but this woman comes in and just humbles herself before Jesus. And it, it gets his attention. And he has a conversation with her. And Lord, hail my daughter. Well, no, I'm here for the, the Jews only. I'm not here for the Gentiles yet. And... Uh, she said, yeah, but even the dogs deserve the crumbs that fall from the master's table. And, and that answer, it floored Jesus. And I would love to see the, the look on the disciples' face and everybody else in that room. Because <laughs> right. I, I, I don't think this lady, I don't think she's going to get up off that floor until she got the answer that she was looking for. She wasn't going to take note for, uh, for an answer. And I, I think this is all for the, because he was, you know, he, he was always taking moments to teach his disciples because they were going to take over. And uh, this is a great, um, great example of God's grace and mercy. All right. This Gentile, this woman who's a Gentile woman, Jesus calls her a dog and <clears throat> she comes to Jesus, the one who sent for the Jews. And she's, she's, she came in expecting God to move on her behalf. And she was not going to take no for an answer. But instead of coming in uh, all fired up and, and thinking that she deserves something from him, she, she humbles himself. And I, I think that's uh, how we can move the heart of God even today in 2024. Right. You know, we're right in the, well, not in the middle. We just started 21 days of prayer and fasting. We cannot eat all the food we want. We cannot drink all the drink we want. Or we can cut out stuff from our lives all we want. But if we don't have, if our attitudes aren't right. Right. If we don't humble ourselves. If my people who call by my name will humble themselves and pray. Mm-hmm. And seek my face. We are releasing the sound. I want you to do me a favor. Now, I know you listen to some good music, but I want to tell you about some great music. My friend Mary Gamboa, and she's also the worship leader at Authentic Church where I worship, she has released a new album entitled Jealous, and you can check that album out at marygamboamusic.com. That's Mary, G-A-M-B-O-A, music.com. Also, we would love to have you worship with us at Authentic Church at 322 Lindsay Street here in Alcoa, and we start at 10 a.m. on Sunday morning. Come see us. Right, there's got to be that that humbling, humility, submitting to the Lord, and seeking Him. I mean, this the same circumstance was reported in Matthew, and I flip back to Matthew. Yeah, I like Matthew's version of that story. Um, That's good. Starting at verse twenty-six, and my footnotes refer there to you know the children as the lost sheep of Israel, mm-hmm. the bread is God's covenant blessings and the dogs are Gentiles. Jesus' point was 
was that the gospel was to be given first to the Jews. The woman understood Jesus' implication and was willing to settle even for crumbs. And Jesus rewarded her great faith. He was so pleased with the woman's reply, it revealed not only her wit, but also her faith and her humility. Mm-hmm. There you go. Yeah. What was that passage that Pastor was talking about this morning in prayer time? Matthew 5, 3. Yeah, the Beatitudes, blessed by the pure spirit. Yeah. <coughs> he, he, he brought up Matthew 5, 3. He said, God blesses those who are poor and realize their need for him for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. And he brought out that word poor and, and what that word for me, I can't exactly remember what Bankrupt. It yeah, bankrupt. Absolutely void. And I just, it makes me think about like this lady here. She, she was bankrupt at this moment. She, right. she she just knew that she couldn't do nothing for her daughter and he was he, he Jesus was and it, we have to get to that point as people we're, we're so and that's what I was saying this morning before we started praying is we're so full of ourselves and we you know, especially men we just want we think we can handle anything we can handle any circumstance any you know any situation we can, can we want to be people just want to be in control and here's this lady calling Jesus Lord, meaning I'm giving you control here. I'm letting go. I'm giving you control. And that's that's hard for people to do. But if we want to move the heart of God, it's what we have to do. Yeah. And and um, like uh, Philippians, you know, and I said this morning, Jesus is our ultimate example and everything. But in Philippians 2, 3 through 11, it says, don't be selfish, Paul writes. Don't try to impress others. Be humble. Right. Thinking of others is better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interest, but take interest in others too. In other words, get outside yourself. Look at other people and help their, you meet their needs. You must have the same attitude that Jesus Christ had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privilege. And that's why I'm saying he left heaven. You think right. about heaven. He right. left heaven. He gave up his divine so privileges. Not robbery. Yeah. And he took, he took the humble position of a slave. And was born as a human being. And when he appeared in human form, he humbled himself. There's that word third, the third time uh, Paul mentions this. He humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the, the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven on earth. Uh, and every tongue declare that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. Amen. But three times Paul says, be like Jesus. How is Jesus? Humble. He humbled himself he he left heaven and didn't think anything about it and he became a slave and died on the cross for for us and so i I wrote if we want anything from god we must die to ourselves die to our desires uh, die to our wants and and put him first his his will his what he desires for us when you know paul talks about romans but be clothed with christ Put on, put on, put on Christ. Yeah, yeah, put on Christ. He's literally talking about garments. Yeah. Put on the garment of Christ. Paul says, I die daily. Uh, Luke 9, 23, Jesus said, if you want to be my follower, you got to what? Deny yourself. Take, it take cross. up your cross. So, you, you know, you got to deny yourself. That's humbling yourself. Come to me. Uh, get on the cross. Die to yourself. Die to your selfish needs, desires. Um, uh, and the cross is a place of death. It's, you know, right. And 
follow Jesus. If you try to hang on your life, you're going to lose it. And so this Gentile woman, she realized, like I said a while ago, that Jesus was her hope. Yeah. And <clears throat> there's a lot of people. We can share Jesus with people all day long. But until they come to that realization that Jesus is their only hope, no matter how much money they have in the bank or whatever, it, it, people just have to reach that point. Right. And only Holy Spirit can draw them <coughs> to that place. Mm-hmm. But she went home and found her child lying on the bed and the demon gone. Yeah. And so this is what this is what I wrote about this that lady's uh, Jesus healing that lady's daughter. Um, that she realized that Jesus was our only answer. Um, that she found him, she submitted herself to him, and made her request, and she didn't leave disappointed, and neither will we. If we humble ourselves and come to Jesus. Right. It's the only way we're getting to heaven. And in my opinion, it's one of the greatest ways to move the heart of God. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. Then we get to the end of chapter 7, and Mark's going to tell about Jesus healing this deaf man with a speech impediment. Um, and it's pretty gross. Oh, come on. If you want to read that, verse 33 through 35. 33? 31. Mm-hmm. Okay. That's good. <laughs> Jesus heals a deaf and mute man. Then Jesus left the vicinity of Tyre and went through Sidon, down, the, the, down to the Sea of Galilee, and into the region of the Decapolis. There some people brought to him a man who was deaf and could hardly talk. And they begged Jesus to place his hands on him. After he took him aside, away from the crowd, Jesus put his fingers into the man's ears, and he spit and he touched the man's tongue. He looked up to heaven and with a deep sigh said to him, Ephatha, which means be opened. At this, the man's ears were opened, his tongue was loosened, and he began to speak plainly. Jesus commanded them not to tell anyone, but the more he did so, the more they kept talking about it. People were overwhelmed with amazement. He has done everything well, they said. He even makes the deaf hear and the mute speak. Didn't we earlier in Mark talk about the guy, the the friend, the friends who brought the guy in the mat and ripped off the roof? Wasn't well, the beginning of Mark? Mm-hmm. And lowered him down, uh-huh. Jesus, and Jesus healed him. <clears throat> and but the, Mark says, when Jesus saw their faith, they healed the man on the mat. Right. Now, what's the difference between that and this story? Because I don't know. You got a crowd. You got. I don't know if it's friends of this deaf mute guy or not, but some people, <laughs> some people brought this guy to Jesus to be healed. But Jesus, it doesn't say when Jesus saw their faith. It says that Jesus grabs this guy, takes him away from the crowd, sticks his fingers in his ears, which guy's got to be gross and nasty, you know? It? And he sticks his fingers in his ears, and then he's gonna lick his finger and stick it on the guy's tongue. So think about this. That's why I say it's gross. Look, give me your tongue. (laughs) You know, Jesus sticks his finger. He he might have pulled out some earwax or something in there on his fingers, and uh, hmm. (laughs) but (laughs) 
and then sticks his wet finger from his own spit on this guy's tongue. It's all gross. By our standards. Yeah, by our standards. It's gross. (laughs) And so Jesus heals this guy. And then he takes him back to the crowd. And he tells the crowd, don't tell nobody about this. But in this passage, instead of saying, when Jesus saw their faith, it doesn't say that. Mm -mm. Jesus took this guy alone and heals him. But Mark says something that I don't understand when he says, he sighed and said, Ephatha, which means, or however you said it, be opened. Right? But Shelby and I were talking about this before we started recording, and I looked up that word. I got to thinking, why would he sigh? And does that word sigh mean what I think that it means? And so I looked it up, and the Greek word is tenazo, and it means exactly what I thought it did. It means to sigh. Like, yeah, exactly. <coughs> it literally means he to groan with grief. Why, why would Jesus groan with grief while he's healing this guy? You know, so so often he looked at the crowds and he was moved with compassion. Mm-hmm. Right? Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, I would that you would come to me so that I could heal you. Right? I mean, there were times that he grieved over the brokenness of humanity. So maybe it was just a sigh of, of grief of, you've been so long without being able to hear or speak. Heal you. You know, maybe it was tired or a little frustrated. (laughs) (laughs) So I don't know. You know, there were times. There were times when he would be like, "Come on, you faithless generation!" (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah. Right? Oh, ye of little faith. (coughs) What up? How long do you want me to bear with you? You know, how how long do you think I'm going to be with you? I mean, so there were times when he was exasperated. even with the faith of his closest 12, you know, or, or their lack of faith. Their seeming even lack with of faith. The, the situation with Lazarus, you know, everybody says it's the, the shortest verse in the Bible when it says Jesus wept. You know why he was weeping? He was weeping because he was mad. He was angry at their lack of faith. You go back and study it and study it in the Greek. That's exactly what you'll find out. He had—I mean, he was human. He had—he had emotions, right? Not sinful emotions. Right. He never sinned. But, but yeah, I don't know. If the, I don't know if there's a there's some frustration going on here. What? what I think. <clears throat> I think these are Gentiles. We we were talking about that. We couldn't figure out if it was a Jew or Gentiles because he had left Tyre and went to Sidon, and now he's in the Decapolis, the ten cities. And Shelby looked that up, and it said that it was mostly a Gentile area. So, regardless of whether it's Jew or Gentile, that, that's pointless. But <clears throat> he, he he did tell the woman, "I came for the Jews, not for the Gentiles." And at this point, he's ministering to Jews. Right. So maybe this is a group of Gentiles that's followed him around. They've heard what he's done to the woman. I don't know. We we just don't know. But it just, it's just interesting to me that that he sighed. He he he. Uh, 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 what's the word? He groaned with grief mm-hmm. over healing this guy. He gave a deep groan. Complete Jewish Bible says he gave a deep groan and said to him, "Hibatach." But you know what? I, what just hit me? 
All right, so verse 36 and 37 says, but the more he told, because he said, don't go, he, told, he went back to the crowd, said, don't tell nobody what you, what, what's happened here, right? And the more he told them not to, the more they spread, spread the news. They were completely amazed and said again and again, everything he does is wonderful. Every, he even makes the deaf hear and gives speech to those who cannot speak. That means whoever's in this crowd is going to go home and tell a bunch more people, which means he, he's not really good. Because he, he, remember, he, he, he came to the, when he came to Tyre, he was wanting to be alone. Right. I, that's what I was going to get back to is that one of the footnotes earlier said... Um, he didn't want anybody to know. I think he came to the right? region to rest. Ever since the feeding of the 5,000, Jesus and his disciples had been, for the most part, skirting the region of Galilee. His purpose was to avoid the opposition in Galilee and to secure opportunity to teach his disciples privately. Mm. And get some rest, I'm sure. Right. And so the regions to which he withdrew were the northeast shore of the Sea of Galilee and then Phoenicia the Decapolis, and then Caesarea Philippi. And so in each of these places, people are coming to him for healing. So he is, again, giving out in ministry rather than having an opportunity to pour into his disciples. But as you said, all of these are teaching moments, right? Mm -hmm. Um, The rabbi is speaking. (laughs) The rabbi is moving. Let's move after him, you know? But I think, yeah, it could have been, okay, yeah. one more, and then I'll get to sit down and talk with them. So that makes me think of something, though. We need to pray for our pastors. Oh, yeah. They're tired. Yeah. It's a thankless position, if you think about it. I was one for a long time, full-time pastor. You know, people expect so much of you, and you got so many people that are, you know, wanting something from you or you know whatever and uh, it can be tiring you know you don't have enough people saying thank you for what you do true and jesus was constantly being tugged at all the time everywhere he went right so i have a friend who um pastored for many years and when his young son said to him (coughs) dad i want to be a pastor when i grow up he said he looked at his son he said Try everything else first. <laughs> and his son was like, what? Why? I want to be able to just like you. And he was like, you have a tremendous target on your back. And very few thank yous. It's true. It's true. It's very hard. Very hard. It's very difficult on families. Right. And it's very difficult on the pastor. Well, and, and so Jesus is trying to withdraw to have time to pour into his disciples. Because they're going to be taken over. Right. Soon. Um, and there are some things that they're going to get by being with him and watching him. But there are some things that they may just need to get privately. And so he was trying to withdraw to a place where where he'd have more <coughs> opportunity to just talk with them privately. Mm-hmm. I always kind of wondered in in the last few verses here, Jesus commanded them not to tell anyone. And I'm like, okay, is he just using reverse psychology? (laughs) You know, is he like really wanting them to go and spread the word? Go, spread the gospel, but don't tell anybody. You know, I mean, that's the best way to blow a secret, right? Hmm. Tell a little kid what you got someone and then they're going to tell everybody. Oh, yeah. Don't you know? I but, mean, but he'd done this all the time. Like, right. Jairus' daughter, when, when she was raised from dead, she said, don't tell nobody. Don't right. tell nobody what's, what's happened here. Right. 
And some of the other people, that the demons were cast out. Don't tell nobody what's happened here. The whole crowd seen but it. But just go and show yourself. Yeah. yeah. I mean, there were times that he said that very pointedly, and then there were other times that he did not. Um, but obviously, at this point in time, I don't think he was using reverse psychology. Yeah, no. I think he was serious in knowing that they were trying to withdraw to a place where there wasn't so much opposition. There weren't people running after him all the time, tugging at him, saying, hey, I need you, hey, I need you, hey, I need you. Um, Jesus commanded them not to tell anyone, but the more he did so, the more people kept talking about it. They were overwhelmed with amazement because they had never seen anybody do this before, right? right? right. And he has done everything so well. He's even made the deaf hear and the mute speak. He is fulfilling prophecy about who the Messiah was going to be. Mm -hmm. He was doing what God had promised to do um, when he came to redeem his people. I like the way the, the New Living Translation puts it. Everything he does is wonderful. He even makes the deaf to hear and gives speech to those who cannot speak. So we're going to end the podcast with, with these thoughts. Jesus is wonderful. Amen. And we need to be telling the lost uh, about him. Amen. And like those who brought this man to Jesus, we need to be bringing people to Jesus. And don't forget to pray for your pastoral leaders. Yeah. Something that we can easily take for granted. Elders, deacons, those who are in Sunday school teachers. Yes, they work tirelessly to, you know, keep it all going. Yeah. Preachers reach burnout. Worship leaders. Oh yeah, worship leaders. <laughs> <laughs> As I'm sitting there staring you in the eyes. So, yeah. you want to pray? Me pray. <coughs> How about I do? You. Thank you, Father, for reminding us about how, yes, your name is Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Prince of Peace, Everlasting Father. You are wonderful. Open opportunities for us to tell other people about your goodness, to demonstrate your holiness on the earth, and, and to declare your kingdom is here. The kingdom is here. The king is in the room. Thank you, Lord. So, Father, help us to bring people to you. Forgive us for where we fall short. And we ask, we ask you to use us. We say we're available. Father, we lift up every, every pastor, every ministry leader, every worship leader, every Sunday school teacher, every, every teacher in a Bible college, Everyone that um, is engaged in ministry of any sort. And we just ask you for encouragement. That they would have people that would come up alongside them like Moses. With Aaron and her raising his hands in the midst of the battle when they feel weary. God, we just ask that you breathe on them um, a fresh wind of encouragement to tell them to keep running the race, to finish the course, to keep the faith. So we thank you for all of this. We thank you for our healing. <laughs> In Jesus' name, amen. Keep grinding. Thanks for listening to The Grounded Podcast. If we could pray for you or encourage you in any way, please email us at thegroundedpodcast at gmail.com or you can text us at 865-418-2824. 
If you're watching on YouTube, please click like and subscribe, and you'll be notified about new episodes. If you're listening on an app, leave us a five-star review, but most importantly, share the Grinded Podcast with a friend. God bless you, and remember, keep grinding.